Alright, we're finally back, huh? Yeah. It's been a while. What is it, like a year? Nah, we it's, were probably here in March. March so, when we did the trout fishing one. But Barnick, yeah, it was like March yeah. 24th. Can't believe the like pandemic's that. already been a year. <laughs> it's not been a year, it but it feels like a mini year. 2020's been fast, I will say that. <laughs> Yeah. But no, we are finally back, back in the studio, recording another one. It has been a while, but we're finally getting after again. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple different things this uh, during this podcast. We'll be talking about our summers, uh, some different trips we went on. Um, we'll get into a little bit of turkey hunting, and then we also got a special announcement uh, coming at the end. You guys might have already caught what the special announcement is if you've been checking out our Instagram at Outdoor Overtime. Uh, but... I think we're going to get right into it toss it over to Mason Moore. So, Mason, how's the summer, man? It was a weird summer with COVID and everything, but we, I did a lot of cool things. Um, I went to Maine for three days, I think it was, to the tuna fish. Uh, we got down there on, like, a f- Thursday night, and we fished all the way to Sunday morning. Um, it's definitely a different experience if you never deep-sea fish before. It's my first time deep-sea fishing. Something I definitely do again, but we didn't end up catching any tuna. We caught a lot of haddock, and you guys probably saw on the Instagram page, Caught a couple of sharks. We kept that last one there. It was about 14 foot, I would say. We fought it all night long, probably for an hour. It's about 3.30 in the morning. The line went bzzz, going nuts. So I jumped out of bed real quick. Everybody was hollering, but it was definitely a cool trip. Is there like an alarm that goes off when the, when the line's going, or you just heard the line? The alarm is the captain screaming at the top of his lungs, get the hell out of bed. <laughs> did you guys all fight it? or how? The, yeah, so... How long did it take that? We Everybody rotated. It, it took an hour, maybe more, maybe two hours. Um, they fight for a while. Were you guys wearing those uh, special belts? Like I've, I've seen they use it like when you go like tuna fishing, they'll put a belt on you and it puts the rod in there. In or the, just, like, uh, hand fighting it. On the boat, there's rod holders. Oh, okay. So they're, they're just sitting in that, and you're just pretty much reeling and controlling the rod because when it goes right, you're going right. And when <laughs> it goes left, that rod's going left. So the it's, whole boat probably, too. Yeah, so uh, the, how big so, was the boat you were on? Because obviously it had a cabin in it. It was a re- yeah, it was a real big boat. Uh, I couldn't tell you how long it was, but um, it's it was definitely a cool experience. Something I definitely do again. So you you kept the shark? Yeah, we kept the shark. Um, we caught all, we kept all the fish. We kept the haddock, which you know you see haddock in restaurants yeah, and stuff. It's so. Yeah, but yeah, we kept the shark. It's, it was actually really good. Why? You think sharks no good or what? <laughs> I I would not be the guy to eat a shark. To be honest, I don't. I wouldn't think it would taste good. I don't. I mean. I don't know. I think it, it was great. Really it was tough. great. Yeah, it was great. We kept it. I mean, we ate the haddock. The haddock was fantastic. Yeah, but obviously. We marinated the shark, and we grilled it up. It was like a shark steak, and it was phenomenal. Right. So. Hey, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Was it like typical fish? Like. Yeah, it flaky, it's like, like salmon or something. No, it was just a really good white meat. I mean, it's almost like the same. I don't want to say the same texture as a deer, but. It's kind of, kind of like that. Yeah, so. I think honestly, I mean, I would guess it'd be more meaty, just because yeah. they're constantly swimming. So I'm, I'm assuming there's probably no fat. No, not really. Yeah. No. But so. no, well, cool. I know me and you were gonna uh, do some bow fishing for stingray. Do you want to talk about that? Because we didn't get to do it. Yeah. Weather, so but you've done it before. So we were gonna do a stingray fishing bow fishing trip down in Maryland. I've done it. This would have been my second time going, and. Um, we didn't get to go. It actually got canceled three different times because of the weather. If it's storming, obviously we're not going to go out bow fishing. Water would be too murky. You won't be able to see a thing. But the first trip, um, we were going for stingrays. The way that that works is the stingrays float on the top of the water. You go, you get there. You leave usually the house at like 3 in the morning. You drive down on the water by 8, and uh, the captain of the boat takes you out. And you're just on a fishing boat. It's just like a big bass boat pretty much. And... Uh, 
you just kind of cruise around nice and slow until you see one of them floating on top of the water and the guy knows what he's doing he takes you to certain spots where he knows where they're at and then he'll take you to a slow spot because he you know he's got multiple clients so it's that's just the way every kind of guided hunt is. They know where they're at. They know how many are there for the most part. So, so these spots you're going to, is it, uh, is it like marshy areas or is it like you're just like out in the ocean? It's the, it's the open ones? bay. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, sometimes you'll be along the bank. Sometimes you'll be right out in the middle. He, obviously he scouts it all year yeah. round. So he knows where they're at and he doesn't, he doesn't even like you taking pictures because he doesn't want people knowing when it's time to take pictures, he'll take you to a spot where you can take the pictures. He doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a business, and I understand it, but yeah, that was definitely a fun trip. It got canceled the first time. We rescheduled. It got canceled again. <laughs> we rescheduled, Hurricane. and the third time was going to actually be a night fishing trip, and uh, that also got canceled. Yeah. So that was pretty much the end of that. But yeah, it's a fun trip. Um, bow fishing is a lot of fun. Yeah. So with the bow fishing, are you guys using the same bows just rigged up? Like, so you got Mason and Takeoff are big bow hunters for deer. Are you using the same bow that you use for deer, just set up? No, no. What, what's going on with those? You're not going to – you don't, don't want to be changing your bow around from your deer hunting bow to go shoot some fish, that's for sure. I use my youth bow. Um, I have a setup for that. You can get a setup online for like 150 bucks. All you're pulling back is about 20 pounds, so yeah. a youth bow is perfect. So you're, so you're, you're you're not, you're you don't want to mess far. with your, your bow that you're using for deer because you're pulling 65 pounds probably, yeah. and these are, like you said, 20 to 30 pounds. And you're probably shooting, what, 20 feet at max at these things? Yeah, not, you don't even want to shoot that. As soon as it hits the water, you have to aim below because as soon as it hits the water, it's going to come up and shoot yeah, right, straight right. out. It must have then. So, so, yeah, but when you go on these guided hunts, he has the bows. He has the setups. He he wants you using his stuff so yeah. there's no defaults or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I know uh, I know bow fishing is not a big thing, but people do here in our area, especially on the uh, Soteric Creek, which is it's pretty close to us, but we'll be fishing for carp. And the reason that they fish for the carp is that it's an invasive species. So, I mean, obviously, like with a bass, you go, you catch a bass. You're not going to shoot a bass with an arrow, first of all, because if you shoot, if you hit a bass with an arrow, you're pretty damn skilled, first yeah. of all. But, yeah. um, but these carp, they're invasive. So, I mean, people want you to go in there. They want you to kill them. They're bottom feeders. They eat everything that, they, that comes in, eat plants. Um, but is that like the same deal with the stingrays in Maryland out in the bay? Or I don't know if it's the same kind of thing. I think it's more of just a sport. It's a way... You know, it's stingrays are big targets. Yeah. They're a lot of fun to shoot because they take off, and when they take off, they go. I mean, obviously, it's like shooting a giant dinner plate in the, yeah, in yeah. the ocean. So, <laughs> That's I mean, what it's like. Imagine yeah. imagine your computer times four yeah, just exactly. sitting on top of the water. So, yeah, And when they go, you know, three flaps of their, I don't want to say wings. I don't even know what they're called. I think it's called a wing. But know. three flaps, and they're gone. They're 50 yards yeah, away. Flaps, so flaps. it's definitely cool. When you come up on them, sometimes they'll take off before – you can get a shot on them because they're not, they're not, uh, they're not dumb creatures. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, uh, I said we swing over to Takeouch. Takeouch, how was your summer? Um, so, I mean, last we were talking before all this pandemic stuff, and we all kind of went our separate ways. We were getting into spring turkey, and uh, me and Mason did some hunting. We did a lot of public land hunting. Didn't get on anything really uh, here, back home. But uh, I went upstate to my cousins and. Uh, we went up, I think, on a Thursday night, did some scouting. Uh, we pulled into his bottom field, and there was two toms running off because uh, we bumped them, obviously. And then we went up to the top field because my cousin said there's, there's one that's been hanging out up top and uh, roosting right on the edge of the field. So we pulled up up top, and don't you know, as soon as we get up there, he's strutting behind three hens. So me and my dad were like, all right, well, we're going to get up there 
and set up early in the morning, get deeks out and whatnot. So, uh, because when you know when you see a bird go to rest, that's the best because you know where it's going to be out in the morning. Unless explain get explain going to rest to people who don't um, understand. So what going that to rest means. is when they go to roost. Uh, you wanna you wanna find out where they're flying up to to get a limb to pick to go to bed for the night. And if, as long as like I said, as long as they're not getting bumped, they're gonna stay there all night. So you wanna set up and you know. 100, 150 yards away or whatever in the morning because they have great eyes and they have great uh, hearing, but they don't have scent. So you don't have to worry about uh, controlling your scent when you hunt for turkeys, which is awesome because usually you do a lot of walking, you get sweated up in the springtime. But uh, yeah, so you want to set up about 100, 150 yards away and you know, right at daybreak, they're going to be flying down. And for turkeys, you're trying to reverse the role of nature. The toms usually call in the hens off the roost. and. Uh, here you're you're acting as the hen. You're impersonating a hen, and you're trying to get the tom to come to you for that chance to you know harvest him. But the the I didn't have any luck. You know we hunted Friday and uh, we got on him right away, but he just wouldn't come in. He was hemmed up. So then we heard off another uh, gobble off in the distance. So we headed down the mountain a little bit, um, got in that bottom field, started calling. We realized he was across the road. He wasn't coming in. So we're like, well, we're gonna try to get back on this other one. And uh, don't you know? We get up to go move, and we get to the top of the field, the upper field, and uh, we bumped that tom, and he took off. So, I mean, it sucks. It's part of hunting than turkeys. The great thing is, though, turkeys, they're very vocal in the springtime because that's when they're breeding, and uh, it's easy to get on another turkey. But uh, that case, we didn't get on another turkey, and, uh, you know, we were unfortunate there. And then that Saturday, we didn't get to hunt. It was 17 degrees, windy and snowing, so... You know, I, I came dressed for spring turkey, not... Yeah, they call know, it spring turkey. Yeah, not, not you know, turkey. late archery season here. So what's so. your, like, what are your turkey tactics? I mean, you talked about, like, going in, roosting, finding where they're at. Are you a caller? Are you a scouter? Are you a chaser? Like, I mean, what, do you, what do you do? What's what's your go-to you, you got to do a little bit of everything. You know, when you're in the, when you're doing this type of stuff, you got to dip your toe in the water, see what's yeah. working for what area. Because when you're hunting public land, which I am here, I'm trying to get on some private land uh, because, you know... Like I said, you know, you're hunting public land. You don't know what happened the night before if there was hikers out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not downing the hikers for doing that. They, they have all the wealth of the the uh, woods just like we do. So, um, but that's just this type of situations you run into. Yeah. Because then those you break up those flocks and stuff, and yeah. they relocate because they saw danger. But mostly, what I like to do is, yeah, if you can get birds to rest, that's awesome. You're gonna have a great chance of killing one. So putting them to rest, getting out, getting them decoys set up, and just calling. But uh, you know, sometimes you gotta do some stalking or yeah. whatever. It's interesting to hear different people's tactics. I was actually out hiking about two weeks ago, and I was coming down the mountain. Another guy or a turkey hunter was heading up, and he was an older guy, and he started talking to me, and he was talking about what he does, and he had all the calls on him and everything. And he said, over the years, he shifted from going the kind of person that stalks the turkeys and finding where they nest to being a guy that can call them in. It was interesting how he was saying that he would sit there and he would find a place in the mountain where he knew that his calls would echo and he would pretty much just literally bring the turkeys to him, like he said, calling the toms in. Yeah. And it was cool to listen to him talk about how his like tactics, learning what he did over the years and how it went to his advantage later on in life, that spending the time, putting in the work, that he was able to make the turkeys come to him instead of him going to the turkeys. Oh, certainly. Well, that's my dad. He usually does the call and he's, he learned from my uncle who was very good at calling turkeys in. And, uh, but fall turkey is a lot different than spring turkey. You're mm-hmm. talking, you just saw him a couple weeks ago, so that's, you know, he's doing some fall turkey hunting. This was... Um, you want to 
for fall, you want to find the food because they're not breeding at that time. So finding the food is where the turkeys are going to be. Hmm. This was actually a weird year for turkey hunting. Believe it or not, COVID, I actually do think it played a part. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot more guys out. And hiking, it was just biking, a, different things in the all kinds camping. of things. Like the first day, me and Peyton were out with his dad, and it's five in the morning. And there's a guy on a bike with his kid, calling for owls. Yep. Yeah. On the first day and of turkey said, season. And he said the week before he took his son hunting for turkey for the youth day. I mean, yeah, as, much as, you, as much as as much as you hate that it happens, yeah. dude, you can't be mad that people are finally getting outside and like yeah. taking advantage of what I mean, the wealth of outdoors is. Like I said, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen with the public land, yeah. though. I mean, it's. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So. It's going to happen, but. I kind I, I kind of can agree with Peyton. The turkey season was, I mean, I didn't have any success, but depending on how you look at success, I mean, I got on birds in New York, in Ohio. I didn't get on any uh, here in PA, but in New York, I got two gobblers pretty close, probably within 50 yards before they hung up, and we didn't get a shot. And then in Ohio, I made a couple rookie mistakes um, that cost me at least one bird. So it was definitely, it's definitely not the uh, best season. Didn't kill any birds, but it definitely, you know, learned a lot of things and saw a lot of birds, so. What did you do on that rookie mistake? The, uh, so we set up in this island of uh, woods, field on both sides. It's right in the middle of the field, and uh, we were on one side of the island, and this bird that was gobbling back at us was coming from the other side. So I had this genius idea. Let's try to get around to the other side, and when we were making the move up, it's uphill to the other side of the patch of woods, and as we're making our way up, there's that, there's that gobbler, way closer than I thought he was, and as soon as he saw me, he was gone. So yeah, but sometimes that's how you learn. Yep, living you learn. Yeah, living there, yeah. Live so. from the creature. So tell me about your summer there, big guy. <laughs> big guy, I mean. <laughs> um, I was supposed to be in New York City this summer, but uh, didn't really work out that way. I'm, little, I'm pretty happy about it, to be honest. I mean, being in a city in the middle of a pandemic probably isn't the most ideal spot you can yeah. be. Um, but no, I ended up uh, down in Lancaster County at a Lancaster Country Club. Uh, did an internship down there. Um, I ran on the Conestoga River. Uh, got some fishing in this summer. My bo- my one boss is big into the catfish. And uh, where we are, I mean, no one has access to that part of the river. I mean, in, in our area, some of the rivers are overfished, obviously. Uh, pollution can be a little bit of a problem. But the area we're in there, no one really has any access to it unless you come floating down. So we had some great uh, bass fishing. When the river got low, you could see the bass everywhere in the river. Uh, we have some good catfishing in there, but uh, the highlight of my summer was definitely we did a trip down to uh, the Outer Banks this summer, and we did a fishing trip midweek. Um, and going into it, the only thing we knew is that we were going deep sea fishing, and that our captain was called Captain Froggy. Now we have like an outline for this. Podcast. Here we go. Reading his weird they, names. It's always guy, something with this guy. The, the, the name Froggy was on the podcast outline, and they're giving me shit the whole time about this guy named Froggy. And I was like, wait till you hear this story. So we go down there. Why, why uh, do, you, do you know why they call him Froggy? Dude, I literally uh, croaky voice. You know, croaky voice. Trust me, if you if you that? think of somebody named Froggy, this guy fits the description perfectly, and it was everything I could have hoped for. So we're heading down there. Uh, it's five thirty in the morning. Uh, his ship leaves at six o'clock in the morning. So we're heading down there five thirty. Gives us a call. He goes, "Hey, he's like, uh, we got rough seas out there. He's like, no one's been catching anything anyways. He's like, I don't want you getting sick, and I don't want you guys catching anything. What do you think if we stay in the sound?" So the sound is just the area in between the islands of the Outer Banks and the mainland. Uh, it's like brackish water, half mixed salt water, half mix of uh, fresh water. Um, and it's only about six feet deep in the deepest part. Um, but anyways, we're heading down there. They're like, yeah, that's fine. If that's what you think, you're the captain. You know what you're doing. So Captain Frog, we pull up to the ship. Here's this guy, you know, 
mid 50s 60s uh rough around the edges big gray beard gray hair uh he's on his boat it's six o'clock in the morning guys ripping a cig you know probably i probably had a monster probably had a, a coke earlier <laughs> in the morning to get him going so, yeah. so i mean obviously you know you're getting on a buzz a little sketched out starts talking to us but you know this is kind of this is kind of what i was hoping for reed's been talking about this first mate for a while anyways so then so it's about her it, well, key word there was her. So this guy, Froggy, who's like I said, six years old, rough around the edges. You would think his like his first mate on a ship would be you know probably his buddy that he's gonna go home with and crush bush lights and back in his shack in the woods. But no, it's this nineteen year old girl that was his first mate, and you'd be like, ah, oh, you know, that's a little weird. But these two was it his granddaughter? Or it was, and it wasn't even related to him in any way. They just got put together um, through a charter service. But these two together were like an iconic duo. I mean, they were they were breaking each other's balls. Um, but she was also great. I mean, for 19 years old, she has tons of uh, experience for for being that young. Um, How long were they like doing it? That was you know? that was their uh, I think second summer together doing oh, it. Nice. Um, so she was originally from inland in North Carolina. She was on a farm with her parents. She was telling us, and then they eventually moved out to the Outer Banks just because they loved it so much and. They uh, they just started a different Sounds business like a out here. Kind of just, I mean, there might be one out there called Outer Banks, but um, no, nah, she she just she just got into the fishing business. She loved it, and then she got in got into it with this guy Froggy. But uh, we went out there, got out there early in the morning, uh, caught some bait fish, uh, and then we got after uh, sea trout. And you know the way it is is that like I said, it's only six feet deep in areas, so you kind of have to look for structure um, in the sound. And we found this old goose blind uh, that obviously the captain knew was a pretty big hot spot, but. Go to this old goose blind. Uh, we had outriggers on it, threw those out. I think we had maybe three rods, and then we had two casting rods in the front. There was five of us on the ship, uh, plus the two, uh, plus Froggy and his first mate. But we ended up catching, I think we ended up catching six of them. Um, took them in, uh, cooked them up, made fish tacos out of it. Uh, they were great. Uh, special seasoning that they recommended, I think it was called Abbott's, like a local seasoning, but it was great. But like I said, Cat Froggy, can't beat the guy. Um, Smoking cigs out there, no. throwing cursing around. He's got. A, I mean, obviously, he's got a sailor's mouth on him, being that kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, you said that sea trout. How are they? Like, are they very similar to here? Like, uh, I mean, they kind of. They pretty much have the same look. Uh, I mean, they look like a trout. Uh, they have bigger teeth just because they're a bigger looking fish. Um, they don't quite have like here. We're catching rainbow. We're catching brown. We're catching brook trout. They don't quite have that. Um, the like. The nose, where like the rounded off nose, they had a little bit more of a pointy looking nose to them, but it still had like all the characteristics of a trout. Were their bones very thin, like? Yeah, they had very thin bones. Um, They flayed out very nicely, uh, surprisingly, compared to like you know usually if you if you get a trout trout here, here, I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you a Ben Reed question. Did you keep it? Did you eat it? Yeah, we did keep it. We did keep it. It was delicious, like I said. But uh, like I said, everything you could have hoped out of it. Uh, Captain Froggy was just the kind of guy I was hoping for. Um, He flipped off another boat at one point just because they drove past us a little too close sent awakes towards us obviously flipped them off then as we're leaving he drives past them probably going 50 plus on the ocean or on the sound flips them off calls them a, an asshole and then we head back into the dock but touch. great day uh loved it definitely be going down to uh do it again do it again captain frog nice. but i want to get out in the uh deep sea so that was in the sound I want to get out deep sea fishing. Haven't done it yet, so that's yeah. on the bucket list. Got to get that sure. done, but to, hopefully next summer. To touch on that, um, you talked about the bait fish. How you caught your bait fish and you're using that as bait. When for people that don't know or never gone deep sea fishing, like I, I kind of had an idea, but not really. When you go out there, you're not bringing out little rigs to throw on the end of those rods. You're catching, you're catching your bait. You throw out, 
you'll use little rigs to catch the bait fish and then you throw them in the live well and that's where you're using all night long and when you run out of when you run out of bait you better wake up and throw some more bait uh jigs out to catch the bait fish so. yeah we were just jigging up and down with them it had a it had like a three hook setup on it uh three swivel hooks yep. on it yep that's what uh, we're just using. jigging up and down yep. and then you like you feel the tiniest little thing yep. you pull yeah. up and there you go you got three fish on, yep. on, on your on your rod pretty much that's cool yep um, but yeah those guys those uh those guys know what they're doing obviously they knew what they were doing down there with the, uh, the stingrays your buddies up there may know what they're doing those guys they make their living off of it now, yeah. their job is to put you on the fish and their job is to catch fish and i mean they are great at it yeah so the guys the guys i actually went with tuna fishing the the captain isn't a guide they don't take people out fishing but um my dad's buddy who met the captain um up in maine they go out and they fish these big tournaments and whatever they catch is the money they're going to win money off of it and uh, a couple of times they've won first place catch like 400 500 pound tuna which is crazy and uh you know that's how they that's how they pay for their fuel that's how they pay to fish and uh, whatever they have left over you know they're keeping but yeah. it's it was a definitely a cool experience and something i would definitely do again just like you said you would do that again yeah so like i said i'm hoping next summer uh, to get out there I, I like i said i really want to go out there do some deep sea fishing tuna would be awesome obviously um but hopefully next year we can get out there and uh, get after it hope there's this whole pandemic thing going on well now that we uh talked about our summer i know you know rifle season's here now we had archery season um i know i was during the summer i was getting some I was getting some uh, tree stands put in and stuff, getting hanging new stands and whatnot. I know Mason was uh, putting some food plots in upstate uh, for New York and, you know, just stuff like that. But uh, I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit on how our season was going so far. I mean, I know you just started because you're just a rifle yeah, hunter. Yeah, so, like, I'm a mainly a rifle hunter, so obviously got out there, did some early season scouting. Uh, I put out some uh, game cams. Um, but, like, my season's just starting. But we'll toss it over to Moore because I know he does a lot of preparation going into his. Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't get to spend as much time in New York uh, putting in food plots and stuff this year. Um, a lot of the guys, all the guys from camp, you know, they spend a lot of hours and put in a lot of work to make sure the food plots were good. Uh, my dad does a lot of work making sure cameras are out. You know, he's we're all all summer. You're scouting. You want to see that first camera pull to see what you got on that property. Is that's a fun time. You know, that's what you oh, look yeah. forward to. Um, my season's going pretty well. I haven't killed any bucks yet. Um, I just got back from Ohio actually two days ago. I was in Ohio for four days uh, over the Thanksgiving week. The weather was awful, so that was a bummer. Um, actually, the one night I walked into my stand, there was a buck there, so that sucked. Um, the day before, I got out of the stand to go to get lunch, and the next day I checked the camera, and he was there an hour later. <laughs> the, the one day I was in the stand, he hung up about... 20 yards all he had to do was hop a fence and i would have been able to get an arrow in him but he never did he walked away so i had some opportunities um i didn't end up killing one in new york i killed a couple does in new york this year so that's always good to kill i know you were going after a target buck that you've been going after for three years uh, yeah have so you seen him or anything? uh nobody's ever seen him in person until last week when uh disappointing day happened i got a text message of the buck um the one guy from camp his mom actually shot it uh third third or fourth day of rifle she shot it it's the first time anybody's seen it in person and he's wow. he's a nocturnal buck he, we, we probably have maybe 10 pictures ever of him in daylight he's he's an old buck i think he's probably eight years old so we've been hunting him since we got the property four years ago and he's been on camera and he was an older buck there his genetics aren't great He's real heavy and wide, 
but he just doesn't get the time length. So it's good to get him out of the herd. He was yeah. that's the only buck I really wanted to shoot there this year. That's what I was after. I mean, I killed a couple of does. It's always good to kill does. We have too many does as it is, so definitely had to take some does out of the herd. But um, he scored 131 inches and like 131 and a half. So he's a good buck. Um, they're gonna, we're sending in a tooth. We're gonna find out how old he is. I'm pretty interested in hearing yeah, that. Yeah, curious so. myself because I remember you talking about him. You know, yeah, yeah. Said four years ago even. I plan on getting back to Ohio um, beginning of January for um, muzzleloader, and then probably at the end of January and beginning of February for bow season again, since it runs I think till like February 7th, and I might get to New York maybe one more time here in the middle of December. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about our uh, our giveaway that we have. Yeah, so tease it there at the beginning. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a contest. You guys might have caught it already. Like I said, if you're over on our Instagram app, at Outdoor Overtime, we tease it a little bit. Um, but we're going to let Mason Moore uh, kind of explain a little more. It's it's his uh, it's his child. It's his idea. So let him uh, explain it. So I just wanted to do this thing. Um, obviously, our whole point of this is to get you know young people, young adults, kids involved. Because you, know, you go on Instagram, you go on these Facebook pages, you go on YouTube, you're not seeing videos and pictures of kids killing deer kids out in the outdoors because these companies and you know these people are only posting these massive bucks that these guys are shooting on tv shooting them on farms that yeah they're, they're feeding so them. our whole point of this is to get you know the youth and the young adults involved and we want to post pictures of what you guys kill or even cool pictures you take in the outdoors so we had this idea and uh, what we're going to do is send us in your pictures your videos anything it could be a buck you killed a doe you killed it could be a picture of the sky that you took hunting it could be anything you know um, videos whatever you want it to be and we're going to post a bunch of them whether it's on the main page or the story we, we love to post your guys's pictures we want to share your pictures because we know you probably you would love it um, we want other people to see not just what we're doing i mean we don't like to just post our stuff you know yeah we, we so we, we've had some people send some stuff in already one of our good buddies wade funk uh he dropped a deer earlier in the archery dough. season he, he dropped a doe but sent us a cool pic of uh him holding the heart where the arrow went through it was super cool yeah uh, awesome picture one of my other buddies uh around here uh jake blauk he dropped a buck earlier about two weeks ago in the archery season uh we posted that on there so like i said if you guys have photos you know send them into us we like posting we like sharing yeah. stuff not just what we do obviously uh, we're not too lucky so far in this buck season, but hopefully we can get the job done coming up here. And it doesn't um, just have to be harvest, like we said. Yeah, send us what you guys Anything. got. Dude. We love yeah. we love sharing it. We like getting people out. That's what we're trying to do. You know, we're Good not job. experts. Hopefully, we can learn from what you guys do, and you guys can learn from what we talk about on here. Just trying to get a bigger audience and get out there, get our name out there. So send us your pictures, your videos, any of that. Um, the end of January, probably like January thirty first, we'll cut it off, and February first, mm -hmm. uh, we either. We'll pick from a half from all the pictures or we'll pick a couple good ones and decide and let you guys decide which one's the best or whatever. And the winner or whoever the lucky drawer is, whatever we decide, um, we'll send you a $50 Cabela's gift card. Uh, if you're local, we'll just I'll hand deliver it. If not, I'll send it in the mail, whatever we got to do. But it's just a cool way to get you guys involved. Tell and everybody's about it. Yeah. If any of you guys, you know, you're interested in the podcasting um, game, whatever you want to call it, you're welcome to come on, shoot us a message. Uh, we could probably work something out. We're looking to do more podcasts here. Obviously, it's been a while since we did one. And that's yeah. our fault. But we're, we're going to try to keep them, keep up with them and definitely get a couple more online. So make sure you guys head over to the Instagram. Hit us up in the DMs at Outdoor Overtime. Check it out. We're trying to post as much content as we there, as on it as possible. So send in your pictures. Send in what you got. Uh, but 
other than that, trying, I mean, trying to stay more active. We're trying to get yeah. out there, get more stuff, yeah, more so content. We're going to be active here in the next few weeks. Obviously, we're in the heat of deer season. Yep. Um, I'll be going out tomorrow. Mason was out there today. Kind of sucky weather here I'll in PA. This week. Take out should be out there later this week, but hopefully one of us can drop the hammer on one and uh, get the job done. Yeah, but, so then hopefully maybe in December we can tell a story or two about Yeah, one. so hopefully we come back next time with another episode uh, talking about which one of us dropped the buck. So, all right, I think we'll wrap it up there for this episode. I'm Ben Rita. I'm Peyton, guys. You know who I am, I'm Mason. All right, stay outdoors. Stay outdoors.